Hi, this is Bron Burton, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. You are on 3RRR. This is Radio Marinara. I'm Anthony Boxhall. I'm Dr. Beach. Dr. Beach, good morning. Good morning to you, Anthony. Not 10 o'clock. It's not 10 o'clock. If you've it's woken nine up o'clock. and you do not have any electronic devices connected to the interweb it, and it has not gone back automatically, it does having ended last night. If you have old fashioned watches like I do, you have to turn it back <laughs> manually and you're having another hour in bed. You know, I, I know I say this every time. But they got my hour back. That's good, isn't it? I just, it's a lovely feeling. They take it from you. Usually in springtime. In fact, always they in springtime. Spring time, exam from time. You. Used to always, when I was a student, oh, when I, I was um, studying, it was like, oh, oh I need that extra hour to study for my biology, my marine biology exam. And you know it affects, because you know, I, I only do the first week of the month, it's always me. So I, they steal my hour and then I have to rock up and do the it's show. It's all about you. You are the we- centre of the universe, Anthony Boxer. <laughs> We know that, but before oh, we go any further, shame, my friend, before Dr. we Beach. go any further, who do we have to thank? I just, how do you thank? How do you start? I mean, the man is. We is, always have this problem. Uh, yeah, we've how run we out of superlatives. Tim? We have run out of superlatives. We are going to need our listeners to text in superlatives for Tim. Tim Thorpe is a national treasure. Yep, he's. They need a bronze statue of him mm-hmm. and a stamp outside the MCG. You think so? I think so. Yeah. I, you know, yeah, it's funny. Of, of all the things, I've, I've never heard Tim accused of being very sporting. But um, <laughs> sporty, I think, is sporty, the better word. Tim is, is very sporty by very being sporty. here, but he's not sporty. <laughs> he's, not, he's not tossing oh, a cricket ball in the air or we love kicking Tim. a footy. And we love. Oh, speaking Tim. of footy, how's the Hawthorne Football Club going? They're appalling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, they did win yesterday. They did. Yeah. They, they did. They beat North. But yeah, they we're did. not here to talk about football. We're here to talk about all things wet and salty. And we are. We have a um, a jam-packed. fairly jam packed show. Jam packed. Jam packed. It is. Rip Curl Pro starts this week. So Bell's Beach Comp Surf Comp, and every year, of course, we primo promo the Surf Comp. We have a bit of a chat, and we are, we are so excited. We've got Bella Nichols coming in to our live. She's not coming in. She's actually almost waiting to get on her way. She's going to join us on the phone from the beach down there. She's about to head into a training session on Bell's. I think she's in Bell's, um, and um, we'll have a chat with her. She's ranked 15 in the world at the minute, and she's an amazing surfer from Queensland. Excited. Aren't we lucky to have her on the phone live from the surf? Uh, And following that, we're going to have a quick talk to our dive reporter maybe or maybe maybe Yeah, Myra's going to join us. She's got a bit of news, where to go. It's flat as a tap. Just chatted to her. She said it's like a mill pond out there. Beautiful. It's a beautiful diving. Lovely diving weather. And then we're going to have – we've got John Lewis in the studio. John Lewis um, is all into biofouling. No, that's not chickens. It's it's about (laughs) stuff which gets on the bottom of hulls. Like barnacles and, mm. um, and other things. You know, we should have had him in with Rex. You know, like old ships and things on the bottom. Anyway, well, he's a busy man. I've been trying to get him on for months, but he kept getting called away to places like Singapore mm. um, to check out 
barnacles and other things, which we will find out about. Yeah, wow. So that's from John awesome. Lewis. And then to wrap up the show, we have um, Jeff Westcott. Jeff Westcott is coming in, and Jeff's going to talk to us. Well, he's been on the show before. He's a, he's a policy wonk. I mean, I say that with the greatest of respect. Um, he, <laughs> we have Jeff to thank in large part. I, I, I would say a for a lot of our... very academic policy wonk. That's right, yeah, for <laughs> marine parks and that kind yeah, for pushing that kind of stuff. But Jeff is also um, – he's um, – <clears throat> Just pardon me there, Anne. Yeah, um, no, he's got, got, a, got a new book coming out with Christine Porter, Ty Matthews, Alicia Belgrove, um, and last author is Jeff Westcott, and that's entitled Field Guide to the Seashores of Southeastern Australia. And this must be the fifth or sixth edition. Yep. And Because I reckon I've got all of them. It is a brilliant book. I Remember cannot the first wait to see one, tiny little tiny blue little one? thing. Yeah, 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 it was like sort of Romeo yeah, yeah. sort of yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, like yeah, the literally, inside. and it was Russell Sinnott, Russell, and Jeff yeah. Westcott, and someone else. Yeah, it was, so, yeah. so people who littered Melbourne University have now gone to other institutions, <laughs> such as Deakin and all sorts of places. Now, <laughs> it's um, a great little book. I can't wait to see the next edition. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be large. This is coffee Ooh. table size. Oh, it's no, not. No, I don't think so. No, yeah. it's a pocket book, isn't it? Yeah, we'll find out from Jeff. Paperback. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. Nice. Hey, um, tomorrow, because it is kind of surfing week, tomorrow in Torquay, the world premiere of a movie called The Greatest Surf. You know, just it's a quiet you know, very understated title, the greatest surf movie in the universe. It's humble. It's humble. It's very humble. Um, you, it, it is not for kids um, and it's pretty blokey, the stuff that I've seen from it. So if that, if if, if, if South Park with more swearing and more blokey, you, you're into that, it's a kind of animated right. thing with like like bobblehead. It, it's actually the animation's kind of, well, they're kind of like minifigure puppet things. It's Anyway, it's like the Thunderbirds kind of in a way. Right. Anyway. Um, but not as good. Well, no, I haven't seen the whole thing. Anyway, uh, world premiere tomorrow. Um, Not for kids, okay? Just very clear, not for kids. Like, way too much swearing. Um, That's a talkie. Have a look. Google it. All right, okay. I've got a little bit of news, which is... um how to Aggrieve a, um, an Anemone. Um, this is a paper which appeared in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, Associate of Learning in the Nidarian Nemesta Stella Victensis. What that means is they've done oh, a Pavlovian dog experiment on no. an anemone. Um, you know, Pavlov's dog salivates when it hears, um, you know, someone getting the food ready. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we all know that with that our dog. That kind of thing where your dog salivates when he hears the rustle of the food. That's right, or yeah. it races down the stairs yeah. when he hears the... The jingle of the, the lead. Of the leash, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Um, sea anemones do the same thing. Sea anemones do the same thing. So we know that things with, you know, proper heads, so like bilateral, but, you know, things which are bilateral. Yeah, things Mm -hmm. with heads, all of that, big brains, they do that. But do stuff like, you know, corals. um, So how does a sea anemone Sea jellies, all of those things do it. (laughs) (laughs) Just like what It retracts its tentacles. This is the the analogous thing. So they did an experiment with these people in Switzerland, pretty bored in Switzerland, not much else to do. So they get get sea anemones and they deliver little electric shocks to them and at the same time they deliver a light impulse. And the right. sea anemone, as soon as it gets the electric shock, it goes, ooh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. After, like in sea anemone land. After doing this Language. for an hour or so, yeah. they take away the electric shock and just give just it the light, light and it still goes, ooh. Oh, my goodness Oh, me. my goodness. Associative learning in an wow. anemone. And this is actually quite important from an um, animal behaviour point of view. So people have now shown through this experiment 
um, that CNN you can enemies. do this if you don't have a head. CNN if if you've just got a simple nerve, I was head, which, say, is, that's which is what thing. a seen enemy has. They could never be accused of having a brain. <laughs> you know, they, like it's just a net. As you said, a net. Wow, how net. interesting. Triple R on FM, digital, online, and via the app. It's Bell's Beach. This year, this week. So guess what happens? I'm gonna, I'm gonna. They get on surfboards and they yeah, compete. Yeah, no, no, wait. This happens. This eerily rings out across bells. I'm just gonna set the scene. Everybody, imagine you're just sitting there. You can hear this. The crowd. There's thousands of people. It's just sensational. That's what our next guest is going to be experiencing in the lead-up and then during the event this week. It's sensational. Of course, that's Hell's Bells, ACDC, and it is wonderful. Able to join us this morning online, Bell and Nichols, welcome to Radio Marinara. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> How good is that song? Goosebumps. Oh, my God. <laughs> do you get goosebumps when it rings out, out around Bells? I do. It's just... I think it's one of the most iconic events, and to have that song playing every time I hear it, I just, I just get a shiver down my spine. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah, no, no, totally. So do I. Um, now, tell me. Um, I mean, for those that don't know, you are currently ranked fifteenth in the world. But I got to say, the last what eighteen months, I don't think you finished outside the the top ten uh, in the world, which is doing pretty well. Um, what? Tell me about bells. You know, what's it like to surf bells the wave? I mean, we talked about the the shivers and the chills that we get, the hair stands on the back of our neck when we hear that song ring out. But actually the wave, what's it like to surf the wave? Um, in all honesty, I think it's one of the hardest waves in the world to surf, but when you know how to surf it well, it's one of the most fun and enjoyable waves. Um, I mean, just sitting out there looking at, like looking in the cliffs, the beauty of Victoria, the beauty of Bells Beach, like there's there's no feeling like it. You just have this aura of, just mystery and beauty, and I don't think there's anywhere in the world that you get the same feeling as you do sitting out at Bells. Oh, wow, that's really interesting because, of course, we're really parochial, of course, so we think that, you know, at you know, <laughs> basic level. That's, isn't that right, Dr. Bitch? I mean, we just think that about Bells anyway. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I love that a Queenslander says that. <laughs> I hey. know. This is like my second home, so I, I feel at home here. I love it. I feel exactly the same way that you guys do. <laughs> Hey, so if you did, and I know we've just established that Bells is the best wave around, but if you did have a second favourite wave, where would it be? I'm going to come back to the secret of surfing Bells in a tick, but I want to, like, where, where else is, like, you know, has it got the kind of wave? And I mean the wave, not necessarily the surrounds. Um, I think just a stone throw away over at Winky Pop. That's <laughs> got to be one of my, maybe my second or even first favourite wave. Like, it's, it's so rippable, it's so fun. Even when it's small, it's still really good. So bells need a certain tide and a certain wave height to really get good. But Winky Pop's just all round, probably my favourite wave. Do you reckon, I, I haven't actually seen the forecast, are you likely to be, because of course the comp has been run at Winky Pop when bells hasn't been working in the past, has been run at Joanna too, but do you think it's likely to actually occur mostly at bells this week? Honestly, the... The, um, the forecast here is very fickle, so one day you might wake up and it says two to three foot, and the next day it could be four to six. So that is actually part of the mystery and the beauty about this place. You never know what you're going to get. So I don't know. Right now it looks like there will be a few winky days, a few bells days, hopefully just some fun waves for us to rip into and hopefully some good watching for the spectators. But, yeah, I, I can't tell you, honestly. I'm not too sure. That's um, huh, part that's of good. the fun of our sport, I think. <laughs> 
At Ballarat, Dr. Beach here. When, when does it kick off? When do you get in the water and start competing with one another? When do the heats start? Um, it starts on Tuesday, so the waiting period runs from the 4th until the 14th. So I guess within that time frame, there'll be four or five days they pick to run, and um, they'll pick the eyes out of it. So it looks like the weekend could be really fun, um, which will be good. We'll have a lot of spectators down there, and... Other than that, we're just going to have to wake up uh, on dark every morning and, and hope for the best. <laughs> I was going to say, that, 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 that kind of suspenseful thing, I mean, that's the wonderful thing about surfing is that you can wake up in the morning, you can go look out there and go, oh, okay, so it's a down day today. What do you do in the down days? Oh, that's Mother Nature, yeah. I mean, we're at her mercy. So sometimes the forecast gets it right, sometimes it gets it wrong, and the interesting part about surfing is you just got to be switched on all the time. So you wake up, if it gets called off, I guess you go try to find a wave somewhere else or drink a bunch of coffees at Swell Cafe or <laughs> keep yourself occupied somehow, go for a walk or just, yeah. I love it. Although there's virtually no other sport in which you have this period of time where you're going to compete but you have no idea where, you know, like a 10-day period, but you've got no idea when the three or four days will be. And they could be spread across the entire 10. It's just a totally different mindset that surfers have to bring. It's quite oh, remarkable. It's cra- Honestly, it's crazy. Like, I feel like you end up surfing your heat before you actually surf your heat because mm. you wake up and you're, like, prepared. And it's it's a crazy feeling because you go in with this anxious energy and then if they call the contest off, you're like, all right, I've got to put this energy somewhere. I don't know, like, you're going to have to either go surfing or do a workout or um, any of those kind of things. But, yeah, I think surfing's super unique in that sense. We don't have a set time, like a tennis match. Um, and I guess for the spectators, sometimes that can get a little bit frustrating because you, know, you don't know exactly when it's going to run. But I think it's mysterious and it's exciting. Yeah, I reckon that's why everyone loves it. I reckon that's why they all turn up, to be honest, because yeah. it's like, I don't know, can you predict it's going to happen? Hey, yeah, and tell me, tell me, you... Um, how, I, I want to kind of go back a bit. How, I know you, you grew up in Queensland, up in Coolum. Um, you've got some nice waves up there. You know, they're okay, I guess. But um, <laughs> you, um, how did you get into surfing? Like, what, what's, was it just like the local beach? Um, yeah, I'm from Coolum Beach. Um, and my dad was always an uh, avid surfer. He used to go on surf trips. Never competed, but always just wanted a buddy to surf with. And I'm actually a twin, and my, other, my sister didn't really get hooked on the idea of getting in the ocean. And... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, Dad Dad ended up um, conning me into surfing with him, and that's kind of where the love of the sport came from, just surfing with my dad. And I don't live at home now, but whenever I go home and get to surf with him, it's, it just brings me back to, to Grom days. But, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's, that's kind of where I, I learned, and I grew up in Fulham, Sunny Coast, and um, yeah, that, still my favourite place on earth. But, I mean, Victoria is definitely a close second. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's okay. You don't have to say that, you know, just because we're here. I know you love Margaret River. You did all right there last year. Hey, and, and so the water's a bit warmer up there. How do you deal with the, how, the, you know, the whole – it's a bit cooler down here in the water. Um, well, the good thing is we've just come from Portugal, and Portugal huh. was very, 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 very cold. So I got in the water here the other day, and it was like a warm bath, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you weren't you – weren't, Big wave surfing in Portugal, were you just recently? Oh, no, no Nazare, I leave that for the crazy yeah, people. Okay, um, yeah, okay, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Surfed, yeah, we had a contest at Super Tubes, which is a fun barreling um, beach break. And, yeah, there were some good waves. Like, it was pretty solid the whole time. So hmm. there was, like, some big waves there, but I definitely don't dabble in those 
crazy kind of big yeah, wave. I look at that and as you stuff, I think seriously. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, hey, so you, you've got a big week of comp. This, this, and I've got to ask you the question. I got it. Molly, <laughs> Molly's been doing pretty well against you um, this year. Which, you know, I'm sorry to, to raise that, but have you got anything special, tactic, little? I mean, uh, you're known for your tactics. You're known as a very smart <laughs> surfer. I mean, you, you kind of out tactic Steph Gilmore. You know, in, in Newcastle. You know, a couple of years ago. Like, you know, how? What, you got something planned for Molly? Oh, I'm, I might go the alternate route. I've already planned to pay someone to soak up her gourds for Pete. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair call, fair call. Um, who, who, aside from yourself, obviously, uh, who, who could win this comp this week? Um, I think Bells just has a classic... Oh, no, sorry, not Bells. I mean, Steph has a classic Bells style, and um, I've always loved her surfing out here, but... Again, like speaking of Molly, she's been on care. She's number one in the world. She's got a lot of confidence. Um, but again, like going back to the start, Bells is a very tricky wave. So it's kind of whoever catches the best wave and surfs them as best they can. It's a wave catching contest here. So I don't know. This one, this one's really hard to pick. Ooh, very diplomatic, very diplomatic. Hey, now tell me, I'm going to circle back to something you said at the start to finish off with, and that was, which you just alluded to, once you've worked out Bells. What did you mean? Like, have you? Do you feel like you kind of get bells a bit now? Yeah, well, I come down here. Um, Kale and Adam Robbo are my coaches, so I actually come down here and spend a lot of time training. But it's it's interesting. So it looks like a slow wave, but it's quite fast. So it's a lot of down the line surfing, and it's easy to get caught behind on the sections. So um, it's quite an interesting wave. Whereas uh, the turns that feel like they're technical and really critical don't actually look the best. It's huh. more the big calves and the round surfing that throw a lot of spray that actually gets the most scoring potential out of the wave, if that makes sense. Uh, so, totally. There yeah, are a whole so bunch. Out for that. There's a whole bunch of surfers out there going, huh, yeah, right, I get that. That is really cool. Hey, look, you know, the best of luck. I know you won't need it this week. You're going to kill it out there. It's going to be brilliant. We will want, we want to see you ringing that bell. Um, bell? <laughs> Ha-ha, thank you. Um, and um, thanks so much for joining us this morning on Radio Marinara. Yeah, thanks for having me. Fingers crossed for a, a good run of waves. Awesome. Go well. Thanks, guys. Good luck, Bella. See ya. Cheers. Bella Nichols there. How exciting for her. Brilliant, I know. Oh, yeah, won the World Junior um, Surfing Championships 2016, totally. Portugal. Just been, and on get the way onto YouTube. Then. Get yep. on YouTube. There's lots of wonderful clips of Bella competing. Awesome surfer, really smart surfer. Yeah, uh, very tactical. Really, really looking forward to it. It's a big, huge week. A lot of um, really, really amazing surfers down there this week. And um, so, have a look. I think it's. I think you can grab it online. Bits of it will be on TV, but I think you can actually grab it online. Um, uh, well, on some site somewhere. I'm sure. Yeah. It's some, somewhere, somewhere yeah. in the computer. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website, rrr.org.au. Indeed, you are on 3 Triple R. This is Radio Marinara. We are going from above the water to below the water. And I, we have just, there we go, and Myra joins us. Good morning, Myra. Good morning, Anthony. Dr Beach, how are you? Pretty good. Well, now... We just heard that outside the bay, there's some smallish waves, but they're looking like they're getting good for the for the rip curl comp. In the bay, I suspect it's a mill pond today, is it? 
Yes, I'm down here at Snapper Point, Mornington, um, just around the corner from Mornington Pier, and it is pretty flat. We've had paddleboarders go past us. There's lots of floating activity. There's snorkelers in the water. There's about 10 divers gearing up in the car park to head out for a dive. So it's all happening. That is so good. So it's a morning of getting in. Are you suited up, ready to get in the water tomorrow? Uh, sadly, this week I've had a bit of a, a surface interval, a gnarly reaction to uh, some antibiotics oh, that I'm no. actually taking again. Oh. <laughs> but I am using my downtime, putting it to good use. I've been uploading uh, some of my photography to citizen science projects, uh, awesome. the databases, iNaturalist and Sea Dragon Salt. And I'm also getting my camera equipment, making sure it's in tip-top order for the next couple of weeks so I can get good photographs of the nudie branks in the upcoming nudie census. A oh, nice little segue. I was going to say two quick ones. Yeah, nudie census is up next weekend, isn't it? Yeah, it kicks off Friday the 7th and runs through to Sunday the 16th. Brilliant. And there's some really cool uh, activities. Uh, one in particular I'm really hanging to get to is down at San Remo. Uh, I believe Cade Mills is hosting it um, below the San Remo Bridge. I've uh, seen some really wonderful images of species uh, spotted down there during the last few census. So that's going to be on Saturday the 15th, I think 11 till 12. Nice. And you don't even have to pull a wetsuit on. It's literally rock pool rambling. Fantastic. <sighs> Our very own Kate down there organising that. That's great. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, and then, so from that kind of excitement, I want to bring the mood down a little bit, but you, you've been telling us about um, something you're seeing underwater and you're hearing reports about underwater, and it's important, I think, to bring it to people's attention. What is that? Yeah, look, it's a pattern that we have been seeing um, over the years, but particularly uh, prevalent yesterday has come up below Blegari Pier. Um, our banjo sharks or our fiddler rays, they're kind of like the, the puppy dogs of the, the seafloor. Uh, sadly, yesterday it was reported by some divers that they found three dead banjo sharks. Uh, out near the T below Blair, stabbed through the head, and there was a fourth one that was actually there, still alive, but left a slow um, to die a slow death, uh, and it actually had to be euthanized by one of the caring divers. Personally, so how are they getting there? Some... Like, what's what, what's happening? Is this snorkels? Is it fishes? What's what's happening? Uh, look, I, I think from what what I've personally uh, experienced, um, I, I believe it could possibly be some anglers uh, that are catching uh, these banjos and, and rays. Uh, they're unwanted catches, uh, uh. byproduct of, of fishing. Uh, they tend to be, I guess, rays and banjos are sort of like the vacuum cleaners of our seas. They're scavengers. Mm. They actually help uh, fishermen um, clean up the clean up the seafloor, uh, but unfortunately they're being inadvertently uh, caught um, and, you know, not always released in the most appropriate way uh, possible. Yeah, so, it is It is possible to, to take a hook out and release them, and they'll pretty much, you know, as long as it's not done a lot of damage, they'll pretty much be okay from what I understand. Yeah, well, that's one of the things fisheries have put out within their uh, the VSA rules is that uh, it's actually prohibited to take or possess rays within 400 metres of any pier or jetty and all unwanted catch must be returned to the water immediately and with the least possible injury. So it is definitely uh, possible to safely remove a hook or a lot of the hooks now, um, they can rust out within a, a few weeks. So, you know, so long as the line is cut off short and there's no um, line and sinkers trailing um, that will prevent the, the, the entanglement um, of that marine debris, the, yeah, the, the rays can actually then 
go on and live a, hmm. a happy life. So um, if someone sees this happening, is there something they can do? Obviously don't confront the people that are doing it, but is there something people can do? Is there somewhere they can report this? Yeah, look, absolutely. The best thing to do is if divers, snorkelers, anglers, other community members do see this kind of behaviour, uh, if you could please contact fisheries on 13FISH. Yeah, right. And in doing that, even if it's reported after the first, mm. it actually assists fisheries in uh, building profiles of our peers of to assist with officer enforcement. Yeah, of course. Uh, then they can see a pattern. They can go, all right, we're going to put people down this pier. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes. And the other thing, too, is obviously, you know, that, that's assisting them with greater education yeah. and intervention by fisheries, relevant signage on piers, uh, and just the, I guess, the, the better understanding of their species and the role within the ecosystem that they play. Good call to action. So, one, three fish. Hey, one, um, three fish. Uh, I know you can't get in the water, but um, <laughs> do enjoy when you do get in the water later in the week and all the people it sounds like today get in the water it's going to be brilliant yeah it will be so the nudie census um i encourage people to to get out from their normal places that they you know um would, would normally go hunting for nudies i've been finding some really great nudies uh different ones out on our boat dives nice. so i've got um some boat dives that i'd really like to to get out on next week and uh yeah in, encourage people to Think outside the box of where they might find these sexy sea slugs. <laughs> Brilliant. And on that note, Myra, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great weekend. No See you, Myra. See ya. Bye. Awesome. It sounds like it's flat as a tag out there. It's fantastic. It does. And how exciting about the nudibranch sense sensors coming up. Look forward the to seeing all those sexy pictures. Slug. The sexy sea slugs. <laughs> thanks, Myra. It's fantastic. Hey, uh, you're on Radio Marinara. A couple of quick messages. John Lewis is going to come in and talk to us about fouling on the bottom of boats. Triple R. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. Three Triple R Indeed, you are on 3 Triple R. Radio Marinara. The show about all things wet and salty. Uh, I'm Dr. Beach. I'm with um, Anthony Boxall in the studio this morning. And we are joined by one John Lewis, who represents this wonderful company called um, Biofouling Management Services. John, how are you going? Very well, Dr. Beach. <laughs> nice to see you again, Anth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, it's a, another lovely. of these Melbourne University people. Yes, uh, all going back to the world. <laughs> Try to go off into the far corners. And you've been going off into the far corners of the world looking at um, the hulls of ships. I've been trying to get you on the show for a couple of months, but you keep saying, oh, <laughs> they want me in Singapore on Sunday or they want me in Botswana. Yeah. No, probably not Botswana, okay. but um, <laughs> Singapore not, or Hong not, Kong. Not quite. Peru's the best place I've got to oh, hours years nice. ago. But uh, this is the... Uh, but for my sin of getting interested in the exciting topic of biofouling management, I get to do all of this. I mean, Which, of course, has nothing to do with chickens, as we said before. <laughs> it's the fouling on the bottom of ships' hulls. And, and we call it fouling. It's a bit anthropogenic to sort of, you know, 
call it that, but it's yeah, I yeah, guess it's, that's it's, a good stuff, point. it's stuff just growing there. I it's mean, just, it, it, yeah. yeah, it's as, as stuff in the ocean wants to do. That's right. Yeah, so, look, most things in the ocean like to sit on something, and if you've got a nice ship that's sailing around, why not? I mean, there's plenty of people who love going on cruises. And, so and you think about it, we encourage that now with artificial reefs and all sorts of well, stuff. We, we had we when we shifted Blegarry Pier, we had this whole campaign of saving the sponges, transplanting those. Yes. But in the shipping industry, they want to get rid of them. I love that, you know, really you're taking the perspective of the organism and saying this is actually living for me, not yeah. fouling. This it's a right. really interesting this point. Is, this is Absolutely. my life. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's a very un, underestimate what they do because it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but you're, you're famous for um, your work on well, seaweeds in the deep past and then um, and, and now you got into biofouling management over the last couple of decades. Yeah, it's a bit bit longer than that, mm-hmm. at, uh, oh, Dr Beach, but uh, we, we do go back and unfortunately there's not too many red seaweeds growing on ships, so I had to get interested in something and uh, why not a barnacle? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're big on barnacles big. And, and, and we put out there on the socials that you know, what's the connection between Charles Darwin... And John Lewis and Barnacles, and we did talk. We had Gary Poor, another um, person we all know from the from the deep past and still know and love. We had him on a couple of weeks ago talking about his new book on um, on decapod crustaceans, and he talked in there briefly about barnacles, which are not decapod crustaceans, are they? No, they they are crustaceans, of course, but they're not decapod. But they're not decapods. And he mentioned how they sit, you know, upside down with their legs in the air. Tell us a bit more about barnacle biology before we get into what you're doing. Well, well, barnacles uh, they have the the larvae which float around for quite a a long period of time. They go through fair a number of different um, stages, and then when they're ready to settle, they look like a little mussel, and they come along and they actually sniff out the surface. They sense the surface, and if they don't like it, they can bugger off and go somewhere else. but uh, once they settle... That's the technical term, that's isn't the, it? Bugger it's, off. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But what they do is that when they like a surface, they actually stick their head on the surface and then they spend the rest of their life kicking food into their mouth because their legs turn into these feeding siri, which actually filter through the, the water. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the life. And then they travel the high seas. <laughs> <laughs> feeding siri. I mean, like siri now, we all think of siri as something that's talking to us from our phone, but, but but that's the plural of cirrus. Yes, and this is with a C. With a C. C-I-R-R-I. It's basically little hairy things that they... I love that, kicking their legs in the air and dragging yes, food into the Stuck by your head and, and hitchhiking their way around the world, I guess. Oh, they what do. a life. Yeah. <laughs> some, some actually love settling on whales. There's specific species, a genera, that live on whales. There's some live on turtles. There's um, actually... And the ones on the whales actually orientate them a particular way so that they're actually kicking the food in the right direction. So they, they have their, their feet holding out in the opposite direction to which the um, To the, the whale's going. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, of course, when they get on ships, um, they cause the ship to use more fuel to get through the water. Therein lies the problem. That is one problem, and the other is the people who are worrying about bringing all these things in from overseas. You know, we've got the Northern yeah. Pacific Sea Star and we've got the Japanese kelp, but uh, um, there's a lot Undaria. of concern. Yeah. Undaria, yeah. Anything that's growing on a ship. That's a, that's, a, that's another whole conversation, though. That's about another you know, oh, three hours we could talk on Radio Marina. So we'll leave that bit aside. But um, barnacles, barnacles come in you know, lots of different flavours, as it were, another technical term there for you, Anthony. Yes, um, so we, so we have, ones which, look, stuff we have ones which look a lot like limpets, yes. uh, but we also have ones which 
are called gooseneck barnacles. Gooseneck barnacles. That, that's right. And these are the ones that, if you find something washed up on the beach, a, a floating fishing buoy, you'll find all these unusual leathery things with a white sort of cap. And they're called the gooseneck because the head looks a bit like a goose. And they're actually one stage they, there was a theory that they were the alternate life generation of actually some geese who used to migrate out of Europe. Oh, that makes and sense. these these feathery things they thought were like goose feathers. I can buy that. So, wow. but, uh, it, it's a good theory, but uh, I'd love it if it was true, but un- unfortunately not. So you have the goose barnacles, which they're um, something that, they only really settle in mid-ocean on things that are becalmed. So you only get them on yachts oh, wow. that are becalmed or on things that float around, and they love them. And so they only settle in mid-ocean? Mid-ocean, yeah. So if you look at fouling wow. levels, there's, it's generally near the bottom, but when you get out to mid-ocean, there's a, a level just near the surface where the fouling rate's much higher, and that's because of these goose barnacles sort of floating around looking for something to attach, a bit of floating wood or, or um, to debris or, or, to or, a, ship, or a yacht. Or, or a ship's. Yeah. So, so you've got barnacles. That's the connection to Charles Darwin. Charles too. Darwin. Charles Darwin described the gooseneck barnacle, didn't Well, he? the reason Charles Darwin was slow, so slow in getting his second most important work out, which is the origin of species, yeah, yeah, yeah. was that he was working on monographing the barnacles. So right. that's his most important work? It is absolutely <laughs> his most important work. So, Forget on, the origin just, of species. Let me just get this straight for the listeners that don't know. What John is claiming is the entire <laughs> natural selection <laughs> the, the entire theory of that is less important to Charles Darwin's work on barnacles. <laughs> Abs- absolutely. I'm, okay. I'm not biased at all. <laughs> but no, but it's absolutely it. Sensational. So it would have come out in 1857 <laughs> instead of 1859 if it weren't for yeah, bloody well, barnacles. Well, barnacles, he got his two monographs out, one on the goose barnacles yeah, yeah. and one on your normal little conical barnacles. They were 1854 oh, and they're beautifully illustrated. He yeah. illustrated every one with these little etchings, so fantastic. You can find and those at your local bookstore. It was only when that annoying person and Wallace, who'd been working in Indonesia, sort of came up with the origin of slip species that Charles <laughs> he said, thought I better step got to get it out. <laughs> they out. are beautiful. I, 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 so I've got to put my hand up as a person who's worked on barnacles as well, and they are beautiful, those monographs, those diagrams. He, oh. he was a beautiful artist. Yeah. A biological artist. I'm going to go down to Fitzroy Library after that and get a <laughs> copy and, and see if they've got it. So, so on back to back to fouling in general, John. Uh, not only barnacles, but other critters. Absolutely, yes. So we we have um, that. There's a whole diverse array of phyla. So you have bryozoans, you have ascidians, you have um, hydroids. I mean, it's it's a great place to actually look to understand the whole invert, marine invertebrate world. Because you put a panel out in Port Phillip Bay or whatever, which is how I started, yep. and uh, you, you get this huge diversity of, of marine growth, and it's all based on this: that if you put something clean in the sur- in the water, then it gets colonised by all these you know things that oh, there's somewhere to live, and be it a ship hull or a jetty pile or or just a test panel. You put it in the water and you'll um, immediately virtually get swarmed by all these different invertebrates. So just quick, we've got like a minute or so yeah. left, John, but but when you get a call to say, I've got to be in Singapore on Sunday so I can't appear on Radio Marinara, yeah. <laughs> um, you are doing what when you go to Singapore? This is largely to do with um, the biosecurity side where Australia, it used to be Western Australia New Zealand, require ships arriving to be free of any marine growth. So I go up and generally the boats are in dry dock or and just 
check through and make sure it's completely clean. I, you know, I tell the, the it, often in the dockyard, well, you've got to get into that little nook and cranny and make sure that's clean. Um, so do you suit up, put on the diving gear, get down there and have a look? No, no, I'm I'm too old for that. I'm, I have these these other minions who are the ones that put on the the, the gear. And I, if it's a, a alongside a ship, I'm I'm sitting on the boat watching a uh, a video coming from the diver. And cool. then if they have specimens, they bring them up to me. Wow. But, uh, yeah, no, diving something I'd like to get back into, but I haven't been in the water with a tank on my back for about fifty years. <laughs> it, it is about it, it, yeah, for me it's the eighties. I think. <laughs> do it, uh, John Lewis. It's been one. Wonderful having awesome. you on the show telling us about all things biofouling and in particular, um, yeah, barnacles. And, uh, yeah, always a joy to have you on. Um, let's get you back in the studio to tell us some more fantastic stories about um, globetrotting to investigate holes. Yeah, no problems. Thank you very much for having me in here, Dr Beach. Absolutely and, uh, and It's finally wonderful to be in the studio. <laughs> Triple R on FM, digital, online, via the app. What do you say indispensable? Triple R. Indispensable. 102.7. That's what I thought. Dr. Beach. Uh, many of our listeners to Radio Marinara have a, um, a, a deep and lasting interest in the, the life on the, the rocky shores around the southern end of Australia. Um, beach combing, we often wonder what's there. What is that thing? What's know, that? We're trying to remember. So we, and we reach for our life on the rocky shores of southeastern Australia. Uh, probably the one, the third edition, which came out several years ago, authored by um, Christine Porter, Jeff Westcott and Jerry Quinn. Uh, now, a fourth edition of that book, um, which is going to appear on the 1st of May with CSIRO Publishing. Deep pleasure to have um, Jeff Westcott in the studio one of the authors on this book, one of the driving forces behind marine policy, I would say, in Victoria, uh, Australia, but let's get to that later on perhaps. But, Jeff, welcome. <laughs> How are you going? Very good, Dr Beach. Very good indeed. And I, is it true? You're the, you're the only author that's been on all four editions. That's right. Oh. I'm, I'm heading down the authorship order, you may note. <laughs> Oh, I'll fall off. He's last on the order of this one, is he? Yeah, yeah, he's last. He's <laughs> but that last can mean most senior. <laughs> Definitely the most senior. Definitely the most. It's a beautiful looking book, Jeff. Congratulations to you and to Alicia Belgrove and Ty Matthews, who are at Deakin University. And you're, you're kind of honorary at Deakin still, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And, um, and also Christine Porter, who was the lead author and um, probably did a lot of the, the heavy lifting with this, I'd imagine. It's um, Christine's done the heavy list lifting with the last two editions, uh, bringing in Thai, spread it out, because guess what? It's not just rocky shores anymore. Oh. It's sandy and muddy Ooh. shores. CSIRO said, look, you know, if you've got to go to the trouble doing the book for South Eastern Australia, do any shore type. So yep. that's exactly what this is. It, it's full title is The Field Guide to the Seashores of South Eastern Australia. And it's, I've got to say, I mean, it's beautiful. I know it isn't actually mm. out yet in the stores, but it's it's bigger. It's, what is that, A5? It's A5. A yeah, yeah. So it's it's sacrificed its little slip-in-the-pocket guide. It's beautiful. But it is very beautiful. And Alicia, uh, who's a marine plant person, um, played a very significant role in this one because there's a lot more marine plants in it. There's 240 species up from 180 when it was just rocky shores. Uh, yeah, a lot more phycology. There we go. Let's use that word. He loves Phy- saying that. Phy- yeah. I have to explain to everybody what that means. <laughs> 
study of algae. The, the study of algae. <laughs> okay, it's not psychology, it's phycology. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, wonderful looking book and a lot more seaweeds in there, which I'm pleased to see. Um, <laughs> Since in the bias? Yeah, the bias is just coming through left, right and centre. And, and it's covering the coast, like not only of, well, it's, it's going from, the, they say here, from Port Lincoln up to the Hawkesbury River in New South Wales. That's right. So, and obviously Tasmania as yep. well. So it's, we thought that's a good region to do it. Um, it. It matches sort of bioregional distributions of lots and lots of species. So you get in the southern coast, uh, Victoria and uh, Tassie, and you get in a bit of the eastern coast. And, and I think d- looking at it too, just as um, Dr Beach is going to jump to a couple of pages, looking at it from, from this distance, I'm Jeff, Jeff has bought a copy in here. We have a, like, seen a secret. pre-copy. It's it's a a, a, pre-copy. I, I think it's the only copy the in only existence. Copy in existence. Um, it's still the kind of book you can stick in your glove box. Like you can stick in the glove box and then when you turn up at the, at the shore, you kind of go, oh, well, here we are. Let's have a see what we can find when we go to the beach. It's absolutely still a field guide. And, yeah. you know, it's motivated by exactly the same reason for the previous three editions. So page one is the conservation code, mm-hmm. what you should do. And so the whole uh, ethos of the book, all four of them, has mm. been look at the plants and animals on the shore, but don't take them away, leave everything as, as you found it. And so that's always been the guiding principle. And, yes, it's glove box size. Yeah. Leave it in the glove box. If you hit a low tide anywhere in South Eastern Australia, just whip it out and get on the shoreline. We've lost him. He's, he's in the book yeah, now. Yeah, so he's Dr Beach yeah, is I'm, now. I'm, I'm, I'm off, I'm off, I'm off. Human impacts on seashores in South Eastern Australia. Climate change, there you go. That's new. That wasn't in the other edition. Um, Conservation and management of southeast Australian mm. shores. You talk a little bit about marine parks, which you did in the previous edition, but um, yeah, wonderful thing to have. Uh, plants, whole section on plants. I, I, I would, I would argue. Well, I call them plants. They're seaweeds. They're mm. different, different, mm. completely different. But no, they're photosynthetic organisms. So you're doing the seaweeds. No phytoplankton in here. I'd imagine they're a little bit hard to see. Uh, but you've got yeah, it's an introduction got, to all yeah, these groups. Yeah, and we, you know, sandy shores, which. People have a feeling that, you know, there's nothing happening on a sandy shore. You know, you're just lying on the beach, aren't you, mm. and, or walking on the beach. Well, um, Ty Matthews has always described it as what's under your beach towel. And so, you know, we've got all of those plants and animals in it as well. And I, I reckon the best title section in there is all washed up. All washed up. <laughs> <laughs> Things that you find when you go for a walk after a storm. And I, yeah, I reckon over you know, my history of these books, that's what people have most I, used it for. People walk along the beach. I was going to say, I reckon it's that and the egg masses. Which have their own section. Because everyone kind of goes, oh, what's that jelly? No, 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 that's an egg mass. Yeah. And I think they love that. They're right in the back of the book, those two. And um, they, I, I agree, you know, people do, they go, oh, that's... What in the world is that strange shaped thing? You know, it's shark egg. Yeah. You know, and so there's a whole section on air masses with some beautiful photographs and then all washed up, all the sort of things you find on a shoreline that you have no idea what it is. And, you know, John Lewis was just in here. So, yeah, yeah the gooseneck yeah, barnacles yeah. are yeah. all over everything uh, when they're washed up. And even a little bit on the geology of some of our rocky shores. So here's a picture: surface of mudstone platform shore, where you get the the, the, the bubbles. You can, t- you know, if you, if you know anything about it, you can imagine sort of bubbles in the lava, and that's what's happened in the mudstone, you know, all that kind of stuff happening in the deep past. Here, there's a little bit of description of that, which is really wonderful to see. It's, and I suppose this is part of uh, when you go to a big publisher like Syro, which of course. We're hoping we'll increase the distribution of the mm. book, something completely different, which was always hard to publicise. Yeah. But, yeah, they, they ask those sorts of questions and they say they want that to 
to happen. Uh, the other piece that uh, they uh, that CIRO emphasised and we wanted to emphasise was the uh, traditional custodians yeah. and um, how dependent they were on, uh, on, on the food taken from the seashore. Uh, now, we, we'd hoped, this is sort of probably shows a, a naivety, we hoped we could have used uh, traditional names for these species as well. Yeah. But uh, in the end, there's something like 20 different across the southeastern yeah. Australia. And There'll be 20 different names. 20 different yeah, names, yeah. which would have filled out the page, and we'd have to find people yeah. to in the area distinctively. So we've... We've got a section on traditional names, but um, you really need to ask your local group to, yeah. to find out on, on that front. I'm going to ask you the really unfair question. You know, that so, you know, it's a beautiful big... It's quite a couple of hundred, few hundred pages long. You said there's 240 species in there. Um, I could, what's your favourite in there? <laughs> oh, that's, it's, it's a great question, isn't it? I've, al- I've always loved the blue ringed octopus. Ah. Uh, I mean, it's such a distinctive beast. Um, it's not one that you want to find every no, time no, you no. turn over a rock by any stretch of your imagination. But uh, when you when you do or when you do see it and it, it and it gets upset because of course the blue rings don't show up until it's upset. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's the notion of a beast that uh, flashes a message to you: "Do not touch me." Yeah. At your peril. Um, is and it's such a striking little animal. They're so yeah, they're so cute little octopuses. Yeah, so damn cute and deadly. And deadly. <laughs> but not that yeah, only if you agree with them. So leave mm. them alone. Mm. Um, not out yet. It will be out on the first of May. How do people pre-order a copy? Um, go to the CSIRO publishing site, and you will find it there for thirty nine ninety nine. And you pre-order, and they'll be delivering it very early in May. And not just a book to take with you in the glove box down the beach, but rather to, to read. It's, it's a bit lovely read sections as you're drifting off to sleep. It'll take you into a marine dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a beautiful poetic way to yeah, end it. How poetic are you? <laughs> Jeff Westcott, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Oh, it's brilliant to see you, Jeff. Uh, thanks to John Lewis. Absolutely. And also, of course, thanks to, to Bella Nichols, who is going to win this week. Yeah. Down at Bell's. She's now our She's Bella. She's now our Bella. We are, we, we're going for Bella this week at um, Rib Curl Pro down at uh, Bell's Beach. Um, huge show. Thank you very much, Dr. Beach. Now, next week, I there's a lot on. There's a lot on. Actually, no. I, actually, no. There's not, next week, we're going to have... Up, yeah, we're going to have some music. Rachel, um, yep. who panels for us, is, is assembling a selection of... Um, I'm not... But I'm pretty sure there might be some marine-themed music there, there to keep people happy on, um, on Sunday morning. Yeah, Easter Sunday morning. Hey, and While they're um, scoffing eggs. The doctors are ready to go. They're all lined up, ready to go. Um, and after that is Cade. See ya. Woo! <sighs> That's right. Triple R. Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.